everyone, and welcome to the 10th episode of Slime Time, the official Dragon Quest Dragon's Den podcast. This is one of your hosts, m 3 And this is your other host, Liam Land. So uh, I wanted to talk, I recently had a visit from Pendy, uh, who is one of our podcast hosts for the Dragon Quest V and Dragon Quest Your Story podcast that we did a while back. Um, so he was up from, he's, he's moved from South Korea, he's now uh, down in Virginia, and uh, he was up for the New York Giants game. So, uh, so I picked him up from his hotel and, and had him back to uh, our house for, uh, for some Shabu Shabu dinner uh, with my wife and son. And then we played a bunch of uh, PS4 games before, uh, before I drove him to Target, actually, around like 11 o'clock because he wanted some stuff for the game the next day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. I texted you, Matt. I texted you like, uh, like 1130 at night or something like. I got that text. Yeah, because you're 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 gonna actually be hosting Pendy next weekend, this weekend. Yeah, he's uh, you know, let's just tell everybody his travel plans. Uh, he's coming down to the Orlando area. <laughs> I think uh, same thing, football related. Uh, I think he's doing Disney, but he's also gonna hit up one of the bowl games here. We got yeah. a couple different bowl games here, and uh, I think his dad's renting a place somewhere in north of me. And I was like, dude, I said, where you're staying and where you're headed, I am equidistant right in the middle so we might uh, get together next monday or tuesday nice. and uh grab a beer or something so yeah it was as, cool. as you, sorry go ahead i was gonna say as you said he could be our first guest that we've both encountered in like a two-week period how, how about yeah that? right right yeah like within the span of a month he's he's visited us both in person <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, but Pendy and I have both been over to uh, to um, Japan and, and gone to the Dragon Quest VR, so we were kind of reminiscing about that. Um, and then we we were playing uh, some River City River City Girls, the uh, River City Ransom um, like thirty year later sequel on uh, on PS4, and uh, and some Rocket League and everything. And uh, we did play around on the RetroPie a little bit, and he kicked the crap out of me in Tecmo Super Bowl. Uh, so yeah, he's definitely a football fan, and I am definitely a casual football. <laughs> I think he was like the two-year running military base Korea champion in Tecro Super Bowl. Yes. Yeah, he did. He yeah. did. He was like one of the reigning champions in like South Korea. He would just like dominate in, in, in Tecmo <laughs> Super Bowl. I only really remember playing the first one where you basically just hand the ball to Lawrence Taylor and he runs it. He runs oh. every play. No, Tecmo Super Bowl was my jam. That was, man, that before Madden, that was the one. <laughs> so, uh, more on topic with what we're going to be talking tonight, um, we are cleaning up all their kids' toys the other day, and we've got well over 100 perler bead things now. I know I've put up screenshots of my different Dragon Quest perler beads, and my youngest son, the three-year-old, was picking up stuff, and he picked up uh, Terry that I had done from the Dragon Quest Six sprites, and he's like, Daddy, Daddy, this is Terry. And I was like, yeah, he is. And he's like, Daddy, he collects monsters. He was the hero in Terry's Wonderland. And, I mean, it's been 16, 18 months since I last played that. And he's only three years old. I'm like, wow, you remember that? And he just, like, deadpans right at me. He's like, Daddy, I know things. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, you know, I guess you do know things. Because he did know a little bit that tonight we have one of the members of the team that translated and helped unofficially bring that Dragon Quest Monsters, Terry Wonderland over here, and Joker Joker 3 to all of us English speakers. And uh, I hear he's also maybe working on a game near and dear to my heart. We'll talk about that later. But welcome to Slime Time, Z6 and 4. Hey, guys.
nice to have you with us tonight. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so, good to be here. Yeah, we're um, first part of our podcast. We always want to get to know our guests and know their uh, DQ fandom a little bit. So we'll start off with some questions for you. Um, first off, Liam and I were speculating on this earlier. What's with your username? Z6N4, and uh, then tell us how you got into Dragon Quest as a series. Well, the username, there's nothing too cryptic about it. Uh, When I, you know, long time ago in the days of AOL Instant Messenger, I needed a handle, and I was a kid, and I really liked, uh, you know, I mean, I I like games, clearly. I translated some for free, huge games, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, Zelda, I was playing the first Zelda that came out for the 64 Ocarina of Time, and I was like, yeah, you know, I I need a name, so I just did... I tried to do Z64 and it was taken, so I threw an N in there because six and four, right? Real creative. Ah. So, um, yeah, and you know, I was a. Uh, so you said, how did I get into Dragon Quest? Well, I was a. Um, my brother has about ten years on me, and he was a big gamer. So being a little kid, I got introduced to a lot of stuff I probably never would have because my parents knew nothing about it. So like you know, f- like five or six year old me is playing Dragon Warrior the free copy that was given out with, uh, was it Nintendo Power? Yep, yep, yep. So I started there, and then he kind of fell in love with it. We tried Final Fantasy. It was cool, but didn't capture um, our attention as much as the Dragon Warrior series. So as a kid, I ended up playing through all four of them, right? So um, browsing these forums a long time ago, obviously I just stuck with that handle because I was a kid, and like, why not use it everywhere? So... Certain sites I ended up using Z6N4 and like Wudis. Uh, is that how you pronounce it? Wudis? Wudis? That is Wudis. Yep, you were right with the first one. That's what I thought. So, uh, you know, a site like that or like romhacking.net, these sites that have been around forever, that's where I've been Z6N4. <laughs> but since then, <laughs> it's not something I've, you know, I've used everywhere else in my like professional life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I get that. All, all the little kids I teach, they don't know the uh, wonders of Flat AM3. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that pretty so, much wraps up how I found it. I mean, I've I've loved it ever since. Mm-hmm. So what are your favorite games that you've played in the series? Either mainline, spinoff, some of each. And what are some of your least favorite ones, too? Well, it's tough to say. So it's really tough to boil down my favorites. I'll say that um, I don't have a favorite. My favorites are going to be three, right? Because there's what this there's trilogies. So mm-hmm. I absolutely love three. Uh, I really, really liked four. Five was really good, too. Five was really dark. <laughs> with I'm not going to, you know, for anyone who hasn't played it, I'm sure most of us have. But there's some really dark moments in that game. And um, uh Eleven is, I think eleven is so good, and I, I really enjoyed eight. I didn't really like seven that much until I played the remake, but uh, I I appreciated it a lot more. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I'm kind of all over the place there. I feel like I like half of them, then I don't like half of them. So hey, the, the least it's favorite. Definitely there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if anybody would hate me for this. I really didn't like nine that much. Uh, the story was good, but. Is, um, I don't know, like something something about the way it was structured, the presentation on the DS, like it just didn't capture me as much as as the remakes did when I played them on the DS. But I will say definitively that two and six are at the bottom of all. Since six, <laughs> six is probably bottom of the bar- barrel for me. Like I six is just weird. And that's, Liam's probably gonna I, hang up here now. Yeah, right. <laughs> you don't. Six. They're not. I mean. 
I, I like nine specifically for the multiplayer. Um, I never, I never got to do that. Yeah. So we have a, we have a meetup group here in New York city. Um, we haven't met up in a while, but we occasionally would, uh, gather the folks together and do, uh, legacy boss battles and some grotto stuff. And, um, just like raiding each other's shops, DQBC shops and stuff like that. So well, let me, I, let me, let me backtrack on that. I shouldn't say that I dislike it. It's, it's one of the least memorable to me. So mm-hmm. I do remember spending a lot of time with it, and I do remember enjoying the grottos, and I do remember the ran- those random dungeons and you know going in and seeking out the fights and like that one. I do remember that, but um, yeah, I think I can definitively say I remember six, and I like that the least. <laughs> so yeah. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah. I, I like the nonlinear exploration of six and the stuff with all like the classes and stuff that they then expanded on in seven. But I understand that not a lot of people like that. I, I like the character design and six too yeah there's something about i mean don't get me wrong i like when games introduce us but having played these style of games my whole life and the older i get the less time i have mm-hmm. whenever i'm i'm encountered with a game that gives me a million choices like let's take that new pokemon game that came out for instance people were mad that there were only 400 in there instead of a thousand i'm looking <laughs> at that like if i'm gonna play that good i'm glad there's not a thousand in there because i don't have time for that Right. Oh yeah. I I've played all the Pokemon games. I haven't even touched that. I haven't bought it. But I've never collected them all anyway. So Right. Yeah, so that, you, I mean you can totally give our, yeah, yeah. And like the job systems, you know. Um Seven had it. I, I spent a lot of time with the job system and the remake. Um but Again, that was portable, and I was a new parent at the time, so I had a lot of stationary time to just work my way through that game. And I will say that every time they release a Dragon Quest that I can play with one hand where L ends up being a select button during battle, too, Mm -hmm. that makes it easier. I don't know why they ever release ones that don't do that. They shouldn't do that if you're (laughs) listening, Square Enix. (laughs) Oh. I know I was you're talking about being a new parent and doing that. Um, last week they announced they're doing Bravely Default 2. And when my three year old was born three years ago, um, like literally that's where I remember going through all those job systems, exactly what you're talking about. Just playing around with job systems and bravely default and bravely second, mainly from like two AM to four AM. <laughs> Rocking that kid back to sleep. Like, that's what I did for about six months. Those were my games for six months. Portable, easily do it, and just all those jobs were so good. So, I get it completely. (laughs) (laughs) So, any spinoffs? I mean, other than the ones we'll be talking about in a minute, or including those, any spinoffs that you really like? Uh, I mean, I did enjoy the monster ones. You know, surprisingly, I was was never a huge fan of the monster games. I I played monsters a long time ago, and I played monsters too. Um, I never played Caravan Hearts. Um, trying to think, uh, what was it? Joker 1 and Joker 2 came out for the DS. I played mm-hmm. like half of Joker, um, did not buy Joker 2. You know, all these other spinoffs, so like the weird ones, like Torneco's Dungeon and things like that. Like, um, I haven't really seriously played them. I'm a huge fan of the Dragon Quest world, so it's really hard for me to limit myself. Like, I'm not a fan of Minecraft. Dragon Quest Builders came out. I bought it, and I was like, it's so cool to see the world presented this way, but mm-hmm. damn, I don't want to build things like that. Kind of... <laughs> so, you know, I played it for an, enough time for me to appreciate it, maybe get my money's worth, but um, I don't, I don't think, I think that game was chapter based. I don't think I ever left chapter one in the first game and uh, had a very similar experience with the second game. I got maybe to like chapter two or three, but um, 
it's really hard for me to become dedicated to a lot of the spinoffs. Understandable. I, it, it took me, and I've said this before on the podcast, I did not beat the first Dragon Quest um, Builders until just this past June. Like, it's it long. Was right, it is. I, I was absolutely floored how long it was. And back when it was only on PS4, I was like, no, no, no. And then afterwards i got a vita copy and even then i didn't i didn't even start it until like june 1st this past summer and i'm like i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna beat it and being on vacation and having a couple free hours to myself every night i was really dumbfounded because i'd never really made it past chapter two i was like oh my gosh this game just keeps going and going and going and going yeah i i had no clue it was that long a game time and no liam and i talk all the time about our dirt castles so uh, we are not master builders in any sense of the way. One of the games, like one of the spin. Okay, so my favorite spin-off game, I guess. Um, I won't go too too much into detail with this. I'm a musician. I uh, have been for a long time. I've loved rhythm games, and they made um, in Japan. They made the Dragon Quest Theater Rhythm. I think it is. So you pronounce mm-hmm. it. So that came out on the DS. Really cool. And then. Uh, you know that that whole series. Like I enjoyed the Final Fantasy version of that too, and then they ultimately released that in arcades. Um, there's a place near my house that actually has it. So anytime I was over that way, I just pop in there and play it. So I, oddly enough, that might be one of my favorite spinoffs. I've I've never been disappointed with that one in any way, or felt like it was a time sink. Nice. I, I think that's one of the only ones I've not even touched. I've heard it's one of the most import friendly. You know. You can yeah, kind of figure out what's going on pretty easily. There's no story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's one of those games where if you if you can navigate the menus, you're so you know you're done. Mm-hmm. So any games in the franchise that you haven't really gotten around to that you've looked at and thought, ooh, I really want to play that one. Um, if I wanted to play it, I probably bought it. Just like I said, you know, it's very enticing. I it's so hard for me to not pick up a new one. Um, a lot of the mobile ones. It's frustrating the mobile ones that come out that I, I want to play, but I can't I just because they're just not here or they're hard to get a hold of. And um, yeah, I'm ashamed to admit it, I don't use Apple products anywhere except for my phone. But once you've committed to a platform for so long, you generally don't switch when you have enough purchases and so forth. And I know um, Android users can get a hold of these games, but I have generally given up unless they come out. There was one that came out a while ago. I can't remember the name of it, but it was kind of like a, a free-to-play game. You'd get on every day. It was like, you know, had so many so many yeah. things you could do. Dragon Quest Monster Super Light? It might have been Super Light. Yeah, I think that I think that actually was it. And you know, like that it was cool. It was cool for what it was. Like I'd be at the gym or I'd be on the road or something and I'd I'd pop it open when I had a minute and do some things. So it was enjoyable. But um I did see that there's one that is going into beta that's like really old uh, yep. compared to when it came out in Japan and like we're just getting it now and it's yeah, in beta. That's Dragon Quest of the Stars, right? Yeah. 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 We've been keeping an eye on that one. Uh, they did the beta up in, in Canada and China, I think. Is that right, Platy? Thailand. Thailand. Oh, Thailand. It's, always, yeah. it's always Thailand. <laughs> Can make a Thailand account and log in and download the game. That's what I ended up doing for Super Light, I think. Yeah, but that yeah. one being on Android, I could just yeah get that file and yeah, that's I think how a lot of us got into Super Light. And when it updated, you always had to find that wacky website online that you could sideload it. <laughs> I don't know if iOS people ever could easily get a hold of that. No, unless, but... unless you have access to the file system and you know you have a, a jailbroken device or cracked device or whatever you want to call it, you, you can't really 
do that unless you you actually make a tie account log back in there's like so many hoops you have to jump through and i did it oddly enough i was tired of jailbreaking the phones you know despite cracking these 3ds games wide open and many others i just <laughs> sometimes i just don't have the energy you had to create a t- an account in the thai language uh you set it to your country and there's a couple other things you, you had to do as well but um somebody made a really good write-up online about it so i just followed that and was like well, why not give it a shot yeah i tried that for the uh closed beta of um what are we what is that well dragon quest of the stars i, I had a my platy canada gmail account and i, I was not <laughs> I, I had my VPN running on the computer every time I used that account, and I did the application online to get into it, and I was not chosen, which, judging from a lot of the people we saw, there were not many people chosen at all for that, even people yeah. in Canada. I don't know how I, how I forgot about this. I'm just going to say it, because I'm sure everybody here has thought it at one point or another. Uh, yes, if there's any game that I wanted to play that I haven't gotten around to, yeah, Dragon Quest X. What the hell? Bring it over here. <laughs> Yes, I, I, I don't get that. Yeah, yeah. I did. did. I did play that that translated intro that was released and messed around with it online a little bit. But uh, when you said VPN, that just immediately triggered memories, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, the, it's it's just incredible the amount of hoops that anybody outside of Japan, the fans of the series, are willing to jump through mm-hmm. to take a crack at these games, and they just don't give them to us. And it's always I'm, been this way. I'm amazed, actually. Like. On the Dragon's Den, I look every couple days at least now still, I hit all the unread things. And we've had, I want to say in like the past five or six months, an incredible uptick in activity in the Dragon Quest X area. And like at least two to three people a week are like, hey, can I join the Dragon's Den team? And Cranberry's out there sending invites like crazy. And <laughs> I mean, it, it, are the VPNs still a thing right now, Liam? I, I believe um i don't i don't know i haven't kept up with that i think at one point the the region lock came off mm-hmm. um and they were everyone was worried it was going to go back on but i don't know I, I i haven't been paying enough attention to that neither have I. I just i just wonder if like it's been off for maybe the past six months and that's really what's causing the uptick and people doing it but like yeah there, i think there were like whole years where maybe there wasn't but a couple posts on the dragon's den the dq10 area and now it's every day somebody's asking a question about this or Mm. how do i pay through it there hey can you send me an invite to the team yay your english speakers on here so (laughs) yeah it was it was great to have noaria on as well um a couple of podcasts ago uh we had a noaria was is a uh Dragon Quest Ten streamer on Twitch, and just we learned so much about that game and how how large it is. And she talked about how each expansion is like a full game in and of itself. Like it's a like it's like you're adding another game to the series uh, with with every spinoff, uh, with every uh, version added to uh, like a, an entire new gigantic map opens up, and all these different things that you can do in the game. It's like having five games in one basically can we just have so, a couple <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> give us give us version one and two leak it out see how it goes <laughs> so do you have any uh any favorite or least favorite characters or monsters in the games oh god i don't know um the the monsters i Honestly, the characters, I don't I don't really know if I have favorites. Like, uh, the cast from Eleven was extremely memorable. Um, the characters with accents, great. I thought the addition of, I'm a, I don't even remember at this point, the, um, 
Oh, God, I think he was Italian. I'm completely drawing a blank on his name from 11. Silvanda? Yes, okay. <laughs> Silvanda's English voice actor nailed that. And the fact that that was released in Japan without a voice and you just had to read it, I honestly felt like reading it didn't do justice for the voice acting that was done for that character. That character was hilarious. Like, through <laughs> and through, just so, just so well done. Just the way he says darling. Like, yeah. That, yeah. that sets everything. <laughs> like just reading that in no way, like me reading that in my head in no way prepares me for the way he says it. I know, and the way he says it tells you everything you need to know about that character and yeah. everything. And you, it's great. Right. And you and you meet him. And I mean, I, I'm thinking I can't remember. Like they never actually like introduce him as a gay character, but mm -hmm. he clearly was. And the fact that they made him badass, too, and super yeah. useful, like. You know, I mean, like, that's not I don't I don't look at these things like, uh, oh, uh, a woman lead, things like that. I don't I don't really care who's the lead, but I think that's just great that they that they do that nowadays. And they're very just game designers, publishers in general. They're very equal opportunity, put, putting all of these different types of characters in there. And they just like they just made him so good. Yeah. <laughs> he was so great. But aside from him, uh, of course, Yangus is extremely memorable from 8. You, you really can't forget Yangus. I mean, he got a spinoff game. He's pretty great. Um, and then, you know, the quiet characters. I really, really liked the heroes from um, 3, 4, and 8, uh, specifically the post-game story for the for 8 with the mouse in his pocket. That is good. The whole direct Dragovian aspect of that. Like, I, yeah. there's so many people that like I'll chat with online or whatever that they're like, eh, I never got into the post game of eight. I'm like, oh my god, like, like th that's not like bonus content. That's you got to do that. You got to do that. <laughs> I know, I know. It's insane. Like the post game for eleven too. That mm -hmm. was literally just more of the story you needed to know. Yeah. You know, like imagine, imagine if a book had like two bonus chapters. You don't need to read these, but it completes the story. Like I. I don't really understand the way they present these bonus chapters anymore. The bonus chapter for like six, for instance, I do remember that. You just it was always you go through a bunch of random dungeons you've already been in and then you just fight some big boss at the end, like Dark Dream. Okay, whatever. There's real there's really no story there. It's just a really difficult fight, or like Shenron from uh I think it was was it Shenron or was it I forget what he was called in the third game where he would grant your wishes. Uh, was it the Xenalon or something like that? Yeah, thanks. What am I mixing that up with? Dragon Ball Z. Well, it's got the X in there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't that right? X E N L O N. Yeah, like Xenalon or something like that. It, I mean. Know. As far as your question on monsters, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I really have any favorites. There, I, I love so many of them. And, um, you know, I, I'm always excited when a new game comes out, especially whenever they look better, to see what, like, just to see, like, a slime, for instance. It's the first thing you encounter, right? And then you mm -hmm. get to see it in every iteration. It always looked better. That You know, it went from being 8-bit to 16-bit to being in... Um, to being like more rounded out now with the remakes and seven and then you got to see it in 3d and now it looks like beautiful in hd and 11 and all the other games so like it's not really a specific monster that i like there are very very few that i would say i absolutely dislike there are some stupid ones i, I know i saw them i'm like well that's dumb but None, none really come to mind right now. <laughs> How do you like the sham hamwich? Oh, 11? you know what? <laughs> so yeah, when um, 
And I don't know if this is something you guys want to talk about later, because I imagine you know, we want to talk a little bit about the process of doing the translation. But uh, when, you know, we, we translated some of these monsters before they were given official names, and that was one of them. And that was something I really, really tried to do at certain points was continue doing the punny translations for these things. And like, was that a spoonerism that just swapped the letters around? I laughed when I saw it. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty simple design. It's a what a pig with a, a witch's hat on, something like yeah, that. Yep. Um, you know, I was like, okay, it's kind of dumb. The name's funny, whatever. I killed it. I moved on. But uh, my experience with that was that's not what I called it. And I was like, they definitely beat it. So I was a little <laughs> let down. Oh, that's great. All right, so uh, getting to our last couple questions here before we get into the uh, games and the translation. Yeah, um, what are some of your favorite mechanics in Dragon Quest games? The monster collecting in the monsters games, the jobs classes. Do you like going to the casinos? What do you really look forward to in the games? Yeah, that's. Um, I don't know. I guess it really depends on my mood and how much time I have. Like I said, the monster collecting and job classes. Anything that. I look at initially and the initial outset is like, holy crap, there's so much to do here. I can usually handle the casinos only because I know there's great rewards. And if you get enough coins and utilize saves and roulette, you can just rip through um, earning earning everything you want. So um, I don't know. Whenever, whenever I have a choice like monster collecting where I have tons of choices in front of me, I kind of enjoy it, but it's also like a daunting task. Whereas something like reaching level 99, it's never really a daunting task to me. I just know that's eventually going to happen. So I enjoy, I enjoy the grind. I enjoy the adventure. Um, I enjoy uh, unlocking, you know, the whatever the new animal, the thing to ride on is, or fly around, um, growing the party, and just trying to keep my party all uh, up to snuff. But yeah, like the job classes. Really liked him in the seven remake. Wasn't a fan in six, so I think it just depends on time and place. But there is far and few in these games that I really dislike. Nice. I know Liam. Did we already ask you this? Any games that you haven't got around to that you wanted to? Well, yeah, yeah, we did yeah. Say. <laughs> yeah. I said I said Dragon Quest Ten was my definitive yeah. one. All right, Liam. Well, I'll let you end it sure. here with that last one. <laughs> Do you have any favorite uh, official Dragon Quest merchandise or stuff made by fans? Hmm, stuff made by fans. I mean, if you exclude the fan translations, not particularly. <laughs> um, you know, I have a daughter and we had to buy her stuffed animals. I was getting tired of like uh, elders and things like that because I don't really care about that stuff. Not that much anyways. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy this kid a plush sea slime. So I, I have bought her a couple Dragon Quest stuffed animals over the years and she loves them. Um, outside of that, I haven't really bought a whole lot of Dragon Quest merchandise, surprisingly. I love the games. Um, I'm not really a collector of things like that, but like, uh, my friend came back from Japan and he brought me a, uh, a, what was it? It's like a coin bank. It's a metal, a metal slime. Like I said, I want to call it a metal babble. It's a metal bubble slime. Is that what they're called now? Liquid metal slime. Liquid metal slime. Oh my God. They've been renamed so many times. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he got me one of those straight from Japan and brought it back as a Christmas gift. So that thing sits on my desk at work and periodically people are like, oh, cool. I know what that's from. And other people are like, what the hell is that? <laughs> nice. All right. So we'll, uh, 
move away from just talking about you specifically and uh, get talking about a couple games that uh, you have brought to Dragon Quest fans here in the West. Um, before I get into some of the questions here, I want to just really quickly mention what I'd mentioned to you before when we invited you on and uh, my history with these two games. Um, a company a couple years ago paid for me to get my master's degree online. And literally, I went into the interview to get selected to be part of this first year process about 18 hours after my uh, three-year-old son was born. So we're at the hospital, son was born. And like later that day, my wife's like, don't you have a meeting with your boss? Like 3 p.m. And I'm like, yeah, but Cody was like just born. She's like, no, go. This is kid number two. He's fine. Popped right out, you know, get to school, go do that interview. So I'm like interviewing with my boss later that day. They're like, wasn't your son just born this morning? And uh, so started doing this whole master's degree program online um, with kid number two around. And the way I would have to do a lot of my projects and the way I'd have to do a lot of my work would be, you know, they'd get to bed around eight or nine o'clock. And then I would sit at the computer from eight, nine o'clock to midnight or so. And especially right towards the end, um, right around spring of 2018, I was having to start writing my thesis. And it was instead of just like, hey, here's a thousand word paper I could whip out in a weekend. It was over 10,000 words and I had to keep sending in drafts and everything. So there was I wouldn't say it's months, but there was definitely weeks on end where I'd be doing this every night from nine o'clock till midnight, nine o'clock till midnight. And, you know, I'd have a cup of coffee. I'd be like wide awake at midnight. I'm like, holy crap, I got to get to bed. I got to calm down and everything. And that's right when I discovered the translations for these two games. And I mean, I, I went through them kind of back to back, put 100 plus hours into them over the course of the spring of 2018 and into the summer. And it was always like, this will always be linked to finishing my master's thesis and being able to like, just relax every night after doing that, I'd play an hour of one or the other one. So like I said before, thank you very much. This, this uh, helped me at a uh, rough time trying to go through and write a longer piece of, I wouldn't say garbage, but <laughs> longer piece of junk that I had ever done before and trying to BS my way through a bunch of stuff that I was like, I don't really know. You know, I just teach kindergarten. Why am I writing all this about stuff I don't really have the best idea about? But uh, again, ZC. And now you have a master's. And, and what? <laughs> and now you have a master's. And now I have a master's degree. <laughs> hey. Oh, no, it's not hanging on the wall yet. Here we are like eight months later and I still haven't hung it up, but uh, it, it's in a very nice envelope shipped from the UK. So, uh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, th that's like, that's when I played these two translations, Terry's Wonderland 3D and uh, the Joker 3 and really appreciate those. That's what I've um, my biggest time playing that. So uh, some questions for you about these, because you definitely did a lot of work on these. Had you ever done any fan translations before you started those? Yes. Probably not too surprising. <laughs> what, did, what did you work on? Uh, so the very first thing I did, I mean, you know, and this goes back to my original comment about how I I was Z6N4 and I'm cruising these different forums. And this is back when it was, you know, hard, difficult for me to figure out how emulation worked. And it was difficult for me to figure out um, how to even apply a patch and do a translation. And I remember when Dragon Quest 1 and 2 was translated and I knew there were remakes out there. It was the first time. I think I also knew Final Fantasy V didn't make it over here. But, uh, you know, I'm like, man. 
again. I can play these games. This is so cool. People are doing this. Now, I already mentioned that I loved 3, and I was like, um, I remember an older group, and I mean, I guess, not only do I remember them, I'm going to reference them here in a bit, but Kojiro Translations and DJAP Translations, if you remember these from the 90s and and early 2000s, these groups were the ones bringing us Tales of Fantasia and uh, Final Fantasy V and Dragon Quest 1 and 2. And they started work on three, and it stopped. And back then, you know, I, it was one of the. I would check this thing every day, like that was going to change, like a lot of people probably do, just waiting and waiting and waiting. And um, I, I, I eventually, you know, it didn't happen. And I went to school. I started studying uh, computer science, programming, etc., and thought I was hot shit at one point, and was like, I can do this. Now, little did I know back then, I was not really for that but um i reached out to kojiro and i heard back from this guy named damar's man so i don't know if that name rings a bell but damar's man does yeah he was a big uh he worked on a lot of stuff back then and he was i guess he had taken over the project for dragon quest 3 for uh super famicom and he was like you know there's still a decent amount of work that needs to be done but I've done a lot since they, they basically gave me the project and he had a full dump of the script. It was extremely rough. And, um, you know, I, I'll just preface all of this by saying that whatever translation work I've done on these games, I do not speak. I shouldn't say I don't speak an ounce of Japanese. I've been able to read really, really elementary Japanese, like really elementary. So obviously that's not going to cut it for a lot of these, even these older games. And, um, to have a pre-dumped script meant that I just needed to proof it. I just needed to do the best I could to write it with all of my knowledge of the series, the spells. And honestly, back then it was a lot easier because this predated Dragon Quest VIII when everything would get renamed and Blaze and Heal more and things were gone, right? So um, knowing a lot of this stuff, it was easy for me to go through and and do the translation, do the editing, um, do the testing, and uh, Demar's man had given me the tools, but eventually we hit a, a roadblock where um, there were just things that weren't done yet. So he taught me what he could, and I set about to do a little bit of hacking. Um, I didn't do a whole lot on that project, but I did enough to get us to the 100% mark and finish the translation. I have never thought of myself as a writer. I'm not definitely not a creative writer, so... Um, after version one went live, we had a couple other people come on board and I'm looking, I'm actually looking at the readme right now. And there's <laughs> a lot of names in here like Zenithian, Plat King, Guardian, Kojiro. I mean, these are people that you're going to see them having popped up on, uh, on, on the Dragon's Den. You know, these are people that have been around for a long time. Aaron B., um, uh, Bu, Tom Servo, Dwayne, just so many names that have been around. And, um, so we got that one out and then, you know, he wanted to work on the Dragon Quest five remake for the two. So we did that next. I didn't have, um, I didn't do as much work. I, I did very little on that one actually, because they just like, I just remember I was unavailable for a little while and they just shredded it. And they had this guy who I think he was mentioned in your other podcast with the, uh, oh, Great, I'm drawing a blank on the game. You just did it with them. Um, oh, is it help trippy? me out here. Oh, Erdrick. Er- uh, no, wait. Who did we have on last? We had uh, Matt Craft and. No, it was the it was the fan translation guys that did uh, oh, slime. Yeah, 
Game Rocket. Slime. Yes. <laughs> what is the game called? It's Slime Mori Mori 3 or something like that? Correct, yeah. Okay. So their translator, his name was Gerb. I don't think he joined your podcast, but no. they did mention Gerb did a lot of the translations, and he was the guy that gave a lot of personality to it. He ripped through that translation of Dragon Quest V on PS2. So it was quiet for a long time. I mean, this was like this was like 2000 and eight i think once we were we were kind of working on this stuff 2009 2010 mm-hmm. and i didn't do anything for um a couple of years and uh similar to the story you just said you know a lot of these things ended up happening to me again when i was going through a phase whether it was good or bad and i just had time there were periods of being laid off from jobs um periods of just you know, you know ending relationships where suddenly i had a whole ton of time i was like what am i gonna do and um I, I actually started to, and I guess I shouldn't officially say this because I wasn't tagged on it, but there was uh, there was wind that started to circulate on the, I think it was the maybe the GBA temp forums and another one of a group working on translating Dragon Quest Seven. So I actually started to help them crack some file formats. And this was like the first time I had really dug into some of these new file formats. But this was actually where I got my feet wet with the 3DS because the remake was out and we had this idea. I was like, well, I'm going to take all these tools I have from the old days. I'm going to unpack seven on the PlayStation and I'm going to unpack both versions of it. Then I'm going to line the scripts up and then I'm going to port that script over to the 3DS version. So once once people caught wind that we were doing that, um, you know, we were very loud about it which i i i don't regret it honestly because they ended up releasing the game and they saved us a lot of work but they (laughs) sent uh i think it was Dwayne, maybe it might have been um i'm completely drawing a blank on this guy right now feel terrible about that he was um very essential though he he was hosting a site and um he had forums and all kinds of things where uh, people were working on on different translations that included this one and also included the Dragon Quest Monsters remake for PlayStation 1. So, um, you know, they're chugging along and then we just open up this project and now Square Enix hits them with a C&D and he's like, he shut it down. He shut the forums down. He shut every, all of it down. It was like, we're just we're just done. Uh, but you know, you, you people get upset about that stuff. But um, I can say that they have never tried to serve a C and D on any of the other projects I've worked on. Thing that has not come out. And as soon as I catch wind that something is coming out, I'll stop because it's really not my place to interject. And I don't feel like I'm going to do a better job than they are. And I need to beat them to the punch. Like I will never do that. So um, we did wrap that one up. And um, Pretty much, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do then, but, you know, having gotten my feet wet with the 3DS, I started to see more threads pop up on GBA Temp about these translations, and that's kind of where I went. So, um, most of my experience has been with Dragon Quest games. Like I said, I I love them, so that's, if I'm going to pour my time into any kind of translation, it's probably going to be a Dragon Quest translation. Nice. So, yeah, that that gets into what we were going to ask you next, how did you get into this projects? So excellent. So you did a lot of the um, the hacking for you know specifically talking about Wonderland and Joker Three. You've kind of hacked into it to get the text files and stuff like that. Yeah. So to preface this, I, I will say that I want to give as many people credit as I can because I'm an extremely firm believer that credit credit is due, uh, especially for the people that put the time in. Um, 
I absolutely will not give credit to people that thought they worked on the project and did nothing because we had a lot of those people. Um, what did I do on this project? I literally did everything on this project, but I had help in a lot of, of, of those areas. Some areas I had absolutely no help on. And unfortunately, what I would consider to be the hardest part, I had next to no help on, which is the um, the hacking, the reverse engineering, the programming uh, building tools for our team to do editing, building um, the decom decompiling these ROMs and extracting scripts and recompiling them and reinserting and doing all this crazy stuff. Like, I spent a lot of time doing that. But once I perfected the tools, then I basically worked on the translation. I was doing image editing. A lot of like assets were in the game, images, uh, mostly images. I think one movie, um, a couple of these like weird files that are in the 3DS where they actually like model 3D, like they had a 3D modeled logo of the game. So that was fun to um, to redo that. Uh, worked with a couple graphic designers that, that were uh, I was friends with at the time. And um, we ripped through those too because they were just like, yeah, why not? We'll help you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy. Like the amount of work that went into these games just because you can fit so much more into a modern game, it just meant there was that much more to edit. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, compared to the Super Nintendo or NES or something like that, these things, I mean, they're we're trying to think geometrical growth. <laughs> yeah. I teach, I teach math, so it's, there's no linear, you know, these things are gigabytes compared to like four megs for Super Nintendo, so I can imagine all those assets taking. The only thing I didn't mention, you did ask me how did I, how specifically did I get into this. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, time is always a factor. If you don't have enough time, it's really hard to do something like this. I was extremely fortunate at the time to be at a job I was completely miserable at um, <laughs> where I, I ultimately learned that they didn't really care what I did all day as long as I got my work done. And they also didn't know how to plan. So I would just work extremely hard and I would work overtime and do stuff um, after hours just to get done with a project three days into it instead of the 10 day timeline they had which was great because then they were like hey yeah like i'd say what else do you want me to do and they'd say whatever you want so i eventually um ran out of things to do there and i started working on these things at work uh, which was you know shouldn't have done that but uh, in hindsight they didn't really know how to manage that situation so i just made the best of it and um, that honestly helped me overcome a lot of obstacles, uh, things I couldn't figure out because I just had good, solid amounts of time to sink into thinking about it. I, it, you know what? Sometimes I've got that, too. I've got an hour planning and I'm like this year what I'm teaching. I was kind of teaching just one or two things every week and just seeing a lot of the same classes instead of I was teaching math the past few years and every day it's something new. Well, this year I'm kind of seeing stuff. 10 classes and doing the same lesson 10 times. So I had a lot more planning on my hands this year and kind of like I've, I've done some editing like, hey, we recorded the podcast. Cool. I can go to bed knowing I've got an hour and a half tomorrow in the middle of the day. I can edit that together and pump it out. So, yeah. And you know I what? I mean, that. you're doing something constructive and that's how I look at it. You're not doing something that's uh, you're not just sleeping or scrolling <laughs> on the Internet and wasting time. Exactly. I mean, I, I said it home thinking about work plenty enough i should uh sit at work thinking about home sometimes too <laughs> yeah exactly so what were some of the bigger obstacles you had to overcome for these uh projects and uh how'd you do so kind of in layman's terms 
So there is one big obstacle here, and I do want to give credit to this guy. And I couldn't believe when I listened to the interview with the fan translation guys. Maybe he specifically asked not to get credit for this. I don't care. I'm going to give it to him. So uh, on the fan translation, so just to back up a little bit, I was in the middle of working on this stuff. Post on GBA temp, like, hey, this is in progress. But I wanted to be really quiet about it because I, I just was really cautious after the other team got hit with a CND that my team would get hit with one too. And I really wanted to not put a lot of information out there. So if it ever seemed secretive at some point or we just weren't being direct or saying a lot, it was done intentionally to really minimize how close like revealing anything about how close we were, if we could even get there, because that's always the main question. You know, are these are these people full of it? Or are they just showing us uh, photoshopped screenshots with some English text in there? Like, yeah, you don't really know until you see a demo or something. So, um, but again, we didn't want to do that. So one of the obstacles, obviously, was keeping these things under wraps. And the the guys on the team, I thought they did a really good job about it. And we started a Discord server to try to get people together to talk about it. But I also wanted to utilize the private channels so I could um, find good candidates and kind of like periodically pull people in and interview them and be like, hey, you know, what do you think of this? Do you think you could actually contribute and try people out? So um, it was really, really hard with this project to, to kind of be the project manager that was also like doing all this stuff, right? And and have a level of expectation set for people to be involved, to allow them to continue to be involved because I didn't want them leaking work that we were doing or leaking details and getting us in trouble and screwing all the work up that we did. So that was definitely um, not not the technical side of things, but that was challenging to keep that ongoing the whole time we did this. Um, there's a lot of challenges with these projects. You know, you can, like I said, translation, there's tons of text, editing things, proofreading, testing, etc. I think the biggest hurdle was um, it, it had been a really long time since I had worked in what's known as assembly. And uh, the way that it's done now, I mean, there's just so much more to sift through in a bigger game like this. And, uh, you know, back back on, like, the Super Nintendo, you had, like, what, 48 mega, megabits of data to, or megabytes of data or something to sift through. I forget what it was, but um, n not a lot. So you're, you're looking for a needle on a haystack, but the haystack's kind of small. And when you're dealing with a game on the 3DS or the, you know, like a PS4 game, these games are gigs. They're huge. Mm -hmm. And when you're looking at all that code, I mean, the code wasn't gigs like a lot of the assets were, but... The code I was digging through, the assembly I was digging through, it was like finding a needle in a haystack. And that was not a strong suit for me to be able to debug these games. And I had to, uh, you know, I do a lot of software development, but not like this. And uh, to pick up Citra and connect Citra to um, this, this free NSA tool that they ultimately released to be able to decompile this stuff and set breakpoints in code and... And actually, like, dig through and, and find find these really cryptic methods and say, like, oh, okay, this is the thing that renders item names on screen when you're in the menu. And that's why it's chopping them all off after 20 characters. And it, it, to go in there and do all this memory management and not create leaks, I think we did end up having a couple leaks that were somewhat resolved in future patches. But, um, you know, every time they'd pop up, they were they were really hard to isolate um, and the guy I want to give credit to helping me with that is this guy named Neo Bio, 
over on uh, – I guess he was going to school for his doctorate at the time um, in some – one of the subfields of computer science. And this guy was just so helpful. And he would just tell me, like, just do this, 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 and this. And obviously it wasn't that easy for me, but um, I would take his advice and go – and I was able to figure these things out with his guidance on my own. So um, nice. overcome, yeah, overcoming that and overcoming um, the the one major hurdle that we had was the uh, the script files for these game didn't just include text. They they were basically like giant animation sequences that I never actually figured out what all of the commands meant in the raw file. But um, trying to reverse engineer it, I was able to figure out where the text was and how I could kind of extract all of those blocks and re-inject them and resize everything and just ignore what everything else meant. But I was slowly figuring out that like there'd be commands directly in line that controlled the animation of the sprites on screen, showed characters where to walk because they're, you know, they're walk, pacing around and talking to each other. Um, mm-hmm. con- controlling like little fades and stuff. It's, I mean, you, you, uh, you do editing obviously for the podcast. I mean, you go in when you're editing, you have all these options to do these things. And it was like, just mind blowing to me that these were not just dialogue files. These were just full blown cutscene files. And I'm like, why? Because even beyond that, they would be like, um, like town files that weren't exactly cutscenes, but uh, when you would talk to somebody, maybe they wanted to lock the camera in a specific way. Maybe they didn't. Mm-hmm. So those those are definitely the hardest parts to overcome. And then, of course, different between all of the games, which drove me insane. <laughs> I can imagine. You think that we were different development groups that did that inside of Square Enix, or? <laughs> No, it's what really killed me was like they'd go in there and they would just add tons of new new commands and you know there's like little things like um if you've ever I'm I'm assuming you or anybody listening might have worked in HTML and there's little things you can do similar to editing in Word where you can like bold but this word is bold, but another word is not bold, or this word is green, but another word is black. And when you're looking at this stuff in, in just a binary file, you don't really know that this one thing here is going to turn everything green until you give it another code that stops it. And, uh, you know, they do a lot of things like make a noise or shake the text or shake the screen. So it was uh, it, it was interesting to, like, figure out what all the important ones were so that when we went back and did the translation, we could we could actually control highlighting of words that were only highlighted once before, but we decided to rewrite it and include that monster's name two times. So for like for like quests, uh, I think in Terry's Wonderland, there would be like blue text or pink text. And um, while I was editing this stuff, I just made a conscious decision to like make every skill mentioned green, for instance. And oh, I don't, that's I don't, cool. Yeah, I don't think they even, like, it was built into the engine in the game, but I don't think mm-hmm. in the Japanese version they ever highlighted anything in green. Hmm. So that was just something that we decided to do to try to resonate with people. Like, as you're reading this, when you see something that's colored, pay attention to it, and every time you see something green, you know it's an ability. So catch your attention. Oh, nice. So, like, start to finish. I mean, I would imagine that you kind of... With Joker 3 and Terry's Wonderland, I know you finished them, like, within a year of each other. Um, so I don't know if you're working on them at the same time or not, but, like, how long would these take for you and the people you brought in? Um, it was very scattered work, so it's hard to answer that. We kind of mm-hmm. got to a point where um, I was able to extract, like I said, the script, but I wasn't able to properly rebuild it or reinsert it into these files. So we at least had something to go off of, and... 
anytime I got, I personally got stuck where I was just frustrated, I wouldn't give up entirely. I'd go work on the translation side of things. Um, we had, we actually did have dedicated translators for each of these projects and they, they were different, um, Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, but like, you know, uh, he didn't attend tonight, but Helix, he, um, like he was my go-to editor. He did a lot of testing and editing and rewriting on Terry's Wonderland. He was a huge help uh, on that project um, in that aspect. And he was a huge help in, uh, he he found the translator and worked with the translator um, to make sure that, that they got through all of the story or most of the story the first time through for Dragon Quest uh, Joker or Monsters Joker 3. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was pretty instrumental to, to making sure that happened as well. But, um, yeah, it was very broken up. Uh, but, you know, once we got through Terry's Wonderland, that one definitely took longer because it was the first end-to-end one that we did with such a small team. Um, that one that one took about a year. Uh, I would say altogether Joker 3 took less time than that because um, I was able to build some development tools and build some databases and whatnot to, like, in index and and um store like different versions of uh japanese monster names across different games and projects i've done in the past i kind of cross-referenced like what did i call a slime in all three games okay what was a slime but some monster names changed over time and i Mm -hmm. i would hook that up to some different uh sites online and skim them and and i built like a local database of a lot of terms that that helped us with these translation tools I built. So like the tools were getting better every project that we moved on to and the means of distributing them to the teams would get better. And, uh, you know, we just got used to doing things. So like, I, I felt like every project took less time, but that first one did, did probably take over a year, just consistent day to day time. Like it was, it was brutal. Wow. Well, yeah, I, when we talked to the uh, Slime Mori Mori 3 people, Liam, how many? Did they say they've been kind of working on that off and on for like three years? Was yeah, it? I think that's right. Yeah, that, we were like, oh, wow. Now, it wasn't day-to-day like you said, so, uh, you know, maybe compress it all together. Because they said yeah. they'd taken a couple months here and a couple months there. They weren't really making progress on it. But That was an interesting one because that one actually surfaced on my Discord channel. And then it went over to GBA Temper, one of those two in that order. And then uh, it ultimately went over to the fan chair. But they really they really didn't have suitable people that uh, were interested in doing the hacking side. So I actually jumped in for a little bit because... For a little for a little while there, I was like, well, I can I can figure any of these out. Well, their problem was pretty tough. Um, I figured a couple files out, and Neo Bio figured out the rest. So, um, you know, once once we got that stuff done, and uh, and Icy helped them out too, like those guys were able to actually just get to work then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had Icy on too, and yeah, I think that was his biggest contribution was setting up some of those tools yep. and uh, allowing them to keep going. So, all right, Liam, I'll let you ask some questions here. Sure. Yeah, we have a few specific questions about the games from uh, from some of the fans. Uh, so from Yangus, the legendary bandit on the den, uh, how did you go about naming monsters that didn't already have official English names? Uh, so I think we used a couple different resources. There are I don't remember the one site. I know the den actually had some people in there that um, had put some names in there. 
there were a couple translations uh, from other games where the name already existed, like somebody was working on uh, Joker 2 Pro. So these different games out there that people tackled, um, the remake of Seven, things like that, uh, we, ha we had a pretty good idea uh, of what these names would be. And then, you know, games that had betas like uh, Super Light actually technically did receive true um, translations from the company working on it, but because it never came out here, we never saw that. A lot of people were unfamiliar with some of those. So we did really skim resources online and we used as many official names as we could, even for the ones that most people weren't aware of. Um, and some did continue to surface, but they, uh, yeah, it, it was challenging. We we got as punny as we could. Like I said, the, uh, was it, you said it was the, it was a sham. What was it? it, it Sham hat witch. Sham hat witch. Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, things like that, we didn't, oh, we just weren't able to, to come up with on the spot because we weren't <laughs> creative enough. And honestly, I was like, you know what? I think that one, that one had such a bad name, but I thought it was funny. I just left it. I think we called it hog hat or something. It was such a literal translation because <laughs> it was, it was a pig with a hat on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? Whatever. That's, that's funny. Leave it there. Like I laughed at it. Um, but I think for me, the main thing was we really focused on the story and we didn't want to get too hung up on those details. And again, Jason and uh, Gerb and uh, a couple of the other translators that worked on these like really went back and they were like, you know, I don't know. This one, this name just kind of sucks. We can do better. So <laughs> we would like kind of get together in our in our private team channels and we'd just go back and forth and we'd like throw these dumb ideas out there until we were like, that is, that's perfect. We're going with that. <laughs> From nice. Aurelian King Slime on Twitter, we have uh, which, which one of the games had the best monsters? <sighs> that's tough. Now, they looked better in Joker 3, but I felt like you had more to pick from in uh terry's wonderland so out of those two i would go with terry's wonderland because there were more and it was more of what i wanted from the old school set it was my own personal preference um and there was a, a lot of addition plus the whole i don't i don't know if you guys have made it through there but the whole post game and the monster tournament and and things at, at the end there there was just like so much more in there um joker 3 had that whole coloring system and i think there were a lot less in there because they provided you with more customization and interaction with your monsters so i i feel like overall that's why i'd say the first one had the better monsters and better selection of them yeah i'll, I'll agree 100 percent with you i know joker 3 even before you got to the colorization <laughs> it felt like it was doing it for you there were so many recolors of so many monsters in that game compared to, you know, Terry's Wonderland just had so many more different monsters. Right. Um, and yeah, I did. I did Terry's Wonderland. I was going to mention this later. I did everything in that game except for, um, is it Esterk? Yeah. Yeah. That's the only one I didn't beat. And my six-year-old still reminds me to this day. He's like, Daddy, are we <laughs> ever going to go back and beat the guy with the two swords? And I'm like, no, man, I, I have nobody with sleep. And like, I know that's, <laughs> I, I need somebody to put him to sleep. That That's the whole thing about him in the series is he falls asleep easily. Um, and I know if I had that on one of my guys or bred it on, it would work. But by the time I, I completed the whole post game and he was just an optional one at the end of one of those things, I'm like, I'm done. I, I've put in like 50, 60 hours. This was wonderful. This was great. But I wanted to move on to Joker 3. I'm like, I'm not going to keep, <laughs> I'm yeah, not going to spend totally another five agree. hours to do that. 
<laughs> when uh, when I did go through and test it, he was he was the one monster that I was like, you know what? I'm turning I, like obviously working on this game. We developed a bunch of cheats for it too that we could plug into the cheat engine on our 3ds, and I was like. I'm just going to put on one hit kills or something so I can test out his dialogue after the fact. I did not even want to mess around with him because I knew how hard he was. I tried one fight and he just slaughtered me. I'm like, okay, I've had enough. <laughs> I'm literally the end of this project. <laughs> Sounds like the inspiration for Dragon Quest Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, uh, that one. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> I wish we, you and I especially wish we had a cheat for a couple of those... Uh bosses at the end of that uh, one yeah i think the cheat is just watching the footage on uh, youtube <laughs> yeah so also from aurelian this is actually a, a, th- a three-part question the first one was about the best monsters the second part is uh which one of them has the most enjoyable gameplay overall in your opinion oh, well terry's wonderland i felt like was a charming experience it gives you a lot of uh of that old school and it's very nostalgic because it's it's true to what the original game was but joker 3 it's i Truly, I think it's it's not fair to compare them because Joker 3 prevents you with a full world to explore. You're not basically in a bubble. Where in Terry's Wonderland, you kind of are, are in a bubble. You're just in like a, a tower. Like essentially every dungeon is just like a tower with multiple floors and they're all themed and maybe they change every five or ten or something. And there's some boss at the end with a tiny story, you know, and it's like uh, not, not much kingdom things change periodically but the other game was like a full-blown adventure so i would say that overall i think the gameplay was better in joker 3 because it was it was built from the ground up for that new game whereas they were trying to recreate an old experience for uh terry's wonderland yeah uh, yeah i got all the nostalgia from the original and all of the holy cow i've never seen any of this before (laughs) i know yeah I mean, like, even the, you know, the fact you could ride your monsters, you could ride every monster that you caught in that game. And mm-hmm. they all had different things. Like, you know, I, I got a bird and I was like, I wonder if I get on there, if it can fly or flap its wings. And it could. And I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah, that was fun. I Especially just in that very first area. Man, I kept trying to go to all those little, like, one-off tiny little islands that were way out as yeah. far away as I could see. And I was like, I just want to, I want to get to everywhere. And they let you. Yeah. So uh, that was fun. Uh, the final part of Aurelin's questions was, uh, uh, what would you like to see in a new installment in the monster series in terms of monsters, mechanics, or just any miscellaneous ideas? Oh man, that's tough. I think they really did a good job with Joker three. Although there were pieces of it that I thought were, um, strange i'm not a huge fan when they like dragon quest to me is a more medieval game and uh i i respect when you go to a town where it's like hey magic futuristic stuff and we got small tastes of that in dragon quest 11 and 8 but it's like in the mainstream series for the most part they're willing to not be they're they're willing to be old school and not go too far into the future and that's why you always have like a ship and use a ship in the ocean you're not using any kind of you know you're not driving a car like in final fantasy 15 for instance (laughs) right and like builders has something similar yeah well (laughs) joker joker 3 for instance um you know, right out of the gate, you've got holograms, you've got the, um, I forget what the damn thing's called now on the side of your head, but like that thing that you literally can see everything through, you can scan everything. 
um, and, and the the towns are all futuristic. Like everything was futuristic about it, right up to the end of the game, where you're like basically in outer space, and you know it, it was uh, so like that. I would like to see less of that kind of stuff and see them return more to their roots. Although I know Joker is just kind of like that. I would really love to see them make something charming like Terry's Wonderland or uh, Dragon Quest Monsters Two, but give it a full world to explore and give you that monster collecting. Uh, aspect i think they did a great job in that game with the selection of monsters i just think that they're they didn't give you that full the mechanics of the full world exploration like they did and the customization and things from joker 3 um miscellaneous ideas you know i always love the mini metals i know we talked about mechanics earlier mini metals are probably one of my favorite things and they're in these games um that's just become a staple thing. We all collect them, right? Uh, but the casinos are never in these games. And uh, I don't think they had, like, you know, the different games that you saw in the earlier ones, like betting on monster battles and things like that. I th- again, I think the Monster Series do a good job with the multiplayer, uh, the battle tower, like just different things that are there. But um, they could add a little bit more of that stuff on the side that's not just breeding. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, and we've got, you know, it's confirmed or it ha- it's been a year since we've seen all of one concept art issue that they're making another Monsters game with uh, Eric from Dragon Quest Eleven and his sister. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, but other than literally that, like, artwork of him as a young kid, we, it's been a year now because it was like November, December last year when we saw that. So, I mean, it sounds like they're going to go back. I mean, you've got Eric. I would assume that they're going to maybe not, if not specifically in the Dragon Quest Eleven world, but I mean, at least in something similar, it sounds like they're not going to be, that won't be a futuristic one um, with little Eric. But yeah, they're, and now being on the Switch, you know, hopefully there's a lot of interconnected stuff that we can breed and train and do those battle towers, like you said, and have tournaments. I remember early on with Joker 1 and Joker 2 doing, you know, logging on and trying to be on that top leaderboard every so often to get some of those special monsters when uh, those came out. Did, did you ever make it on the leaderboard? I mean, I you'd be in like top 100 or something in the United oh, States. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Kind of reminds me of Superlight had something similar to that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it probably helped that there weren't a million people playing it that I would, you know, every now and then hit that top 100 for the week or something like that. Or Yeah. And I'm sure I'm sure there were lots of ties, but like, hey, my score tied for one of the top 100 somewhere in there. I was never I, there was a couple of people on the den that I think for the first Joker were like, oh, yeah, well, I finished first this week. And I'd be like, holy crap. <laughs> I, I was never into the min max with those. I mean, but, you know, I, I hope we get more information. It's been a whole year. All we know is it'll start Eric and his sister. <laughs> and we might not get it. And that's that. Yep. <laughs> Future translation project. Okay. From, uh, from Lord me. Roto on Twitter. Which is the best slime, and why hasn't Tropic Gel been in more games? Uh, why has Tropic Gel not been in more games? I don't know, because he's a weird plant. <laughs> if I'm thinking of the right one, is that the one that has yeah. the long stem and the leaf on top? Who knows? Yep, that's all he has. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some unique ones that they build just for these games. Um, uh, what, what do I, I mean... I, kind of i feel like it's it's a an easy one to pick out but the first time i saw the king slime form i was just kind of like what and then it's this big fat happy slime with a <laughs> king crown on it like it's really funny yeah. uh 
I love all the king slimes, especially the uh, the the metal king slime because you, you know it's so elusive. He's just as happy, but he's metal, and he gives you a ton of experience. Yeah, <laughs> that um, always makes me think of uh, of Dragon Quest Nine as well because you could get those metal king slime um, special grotto maps where it's just like an, an entire floor with just metal. Oh king yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, slimes are great. They're they're hilarious. However, um, he didn't ask this. He said, "What's the best?" one i will say that like they started to get really weird they made the diamond slime and they made like the angel slime and i was like it it just looks like a gem with like an aura around it in a ring and like all sorts of crazy stuff the slime's got to be the slime it's got to be that gooey body right so um <laughs> A lot of the original ones I tend to gravitate towards. I love the heel slime. He's kind of like, yeah, he's a slime. Um, the original slime, the metal slime. Can never forget that original metal slime when you saw it in the first game. Yeah, yeah the, the slime Mori Mori games had a lot of interesting uh, slime variations as well. Like, uh, I think it was like Slime Borg or something like that. It was like it's supposed oh, to be yeah. like a cyborg, but it looked like the Borg from Star Trek had assimilated mm-hmm. with the slime. Yep. And uh, and then there's like the whole ninja ninja slimes and you have to like beat them in various tests. I yeah, what I mean, you get from it, but I think I think as long as it sticks to that slime formula and it doesn't get too bizarre, I, I like it because it's a slime. But um, yeah, Tropic Gel. I don't know. I don't know why it's not in more games. <laughs> um, I think my favorite, if we're talking like the small ones like that, the box slime. I don't know why he just looks so awesome to me. Just being a nice little cube. You take that squishy body around the edges, and he's just a cube. Because um, he reminds you of the GameCube. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't need to be reminded of that. Oh man, really? You know, I I never had a GameCube. Oh, I love the GameCube. I, that and the Prime. Wii U are the only ones I never had. I don't think you missed too much with the Wii U. No, yeah. not at all. It's all on Switch these days. Yeah. Seriously, but uh, in in deference to my uh, my avatar everywhere, the my self created platinum king slime, um, with oh, the yeah. king slime hat, <laughs> with the uh, yeah. with the uh, I love that God I must have done that ten years ago. Photoshop that hat on there, um, but you mentioned it earlier. The metal king slime, he has been and like I even did it on Terry's Wonderland. He's been in almost every monster game. I bring one of those to the end battle. You know, by post game, you got to get a little bit stronger than that. But man, like I always try to get myself up to one of those before I take on the end boss. And usually I can get one and usually he's pretty darn good for. Are you that breeding it or are you recruiting it? Oh, I'm definitely breeding it. Those recruiting rates are ridiculous. Hmm. That was the plat. But, was it Plat King or Platinum Slime? They're the Platinum <sighs> King Jewel. That's okay. it. It's a Platinum King Jewel. Yeah, the is Platinum King seven? Slime is yes. Because I remember when I, I saw that for the first time, I was like blown away. I was like, oh my god, look at it. And yeah, now they've got the. There's the gold version of that. There's the uh, gem slime. The gem slime. Yep. There. There's the blue one, the Slime Emperor or something like that. That's all the recolors of those. There. Uh, but I, I. I love my little version with the King Slime hat on that guy. <laughs> I. <laughs> I uh, when the uh, the guys at work in the IT department got their first 3D printer a couple of years ago, they really wanted to put it through its paces. So they're like, "Hey, I'd be walking in IT every day. They're right next door to me, and they're like, "Hey, Matt, you got anything for us to try?" And uh, Woodus had a bunch of the 3D models from 
I want to say it was Dragon Quest 7 3DS. And he was just like, hey, here's all the 3D models. And they were in the format that they wanted for the 3D printer. So I got one of those printed um, in 3D. And it it really looks a mess because honestly, the way that the crown just kind of hovers in midair. I remember the guys were like, what the heck did we just do? They were cutting. <laughs> they were they were cutting the little threads that held it up there forever. And they're like, what did you have us print? <laughs> that that one, that wasn't too good to put on the uh, 3D printer. It had too many unsupport, unsupported parts to it. Uh, and just being a nasty dark gray, he sits on my shelf at work and I'm like, meh. <laughs> so uh, I was going to ask a, or bring up a couple topics here. Maybe not a, not too many. I never went back in here and put too much in there, but uh I did mention, like, one of my questions was uh, for the Terry's Wonderland, and we already brought this up, for Esther, did I need a monster with sleep? Apparently, no. The answer is I needed a cheat code. Because, <laughs> 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 yeah, I think that's about the only thing I did in Terry's, didn't do in Terry's Wonderland 3DS. I went through all those things, and it was just so great to be playing one of those games again, because, I mean, gosh, how long did Joker 2 come out? I Can think I... it came out right before... Yeah, 2011? 2010, 2011? I was, was going like to say that. 2010. I feel like mm-hmm. it came... It was out before DQ9, right? Because, like... It was around the same time yeah, frame, it was around I think. that mm-hmm. time. Because I want to say, like, I showed up to the Dragon Quest meetups, and, like, uh, as I'm tagging DQ9 with people, I feel like a lot of them were like, hey, do you have do you have Joker too? And I didn't. Mm-hmm. And then, then they looked disappointed and walked off. <laughs> yeah, I remember it, it was right around that time because um, I had my two and a half year absence from the Dragon's Den um, at one point. And what brought me back was Joker 2. And I remember it was right around the time I started dating my wife now. So that was 2011. So it was right around that time period. And I so maybe like right after nine. I, but yeah. Very close to that. But yeah, so getting the game in 2018, I was like, my gosh, it's been seven years since I've really dug into one of these. And like you mentioned earlier, um, really like that medieval setting more than the futuristic, even though I 100% agree with you. Yeah, the Joker is a whole new experience compared to the remake. Now, that, um, that futuristic um, setting, though, that's only in the third one, right? It's Or is it, it is it very much a part of Joker 1 and 2 as well? Yeah, Joker, it, seems, it and, seems to be a Joker thing, period. <laughs> but 3 really amplified it, because I do remember in Joker 1 exploring more islands, water, like more of that initial setting that was in Joker 3. But even like right out of the gate, um, you know, you're presented with, with technology in Joker 3, like the illusions, uh, the projections. Projections. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, Joker 1, you were riding the jet ski island to island. So I thinking, I can't remember too much about Joker 2's whole thing, but like, I feel like Joker 1 and 2 were more modern, like today kind of technology, where Joker 3 throws you into the future. Right. Yeah, it's so, very outlandish. Yeah, very much so. And I maybe don't want to spoil the total end of it, but yeah, it really, yeah, you're in space and whew, you are, there's a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> it gets weird. It does. It does. I was like, what? the heck where where is this going <laughs> I, I... <laughs> so Liam, whenever you get to joker one two and three i mean three three takes you way farther than the first two do i mean the first two yeah you got jet skis and some modern conveniences you got maybe a cell phone or whatever but uh yeah when you're talking cloning and virtual constructs and you know you've got like that overlay in uh, Joker 3 that you're you're spotting things in the future and it's lighting up like you got a heads up display like you're playing a 3D shooter or something at some points it uh it definitely goes a 
couple steps farther than Joker one or two. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll 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 look forward to playing that at some point. Um, and just you know, just just to kind of appreciate it for what it is. I know it's different than than the traditional medieval style of a DQ game, but I yeah. do want to check it out at some point. And I'm pretty sure we've been told like officially like that's it. We're we're done with the Joker sub series of that. Like I feel like there was some announcement like, hey, the Joker three Pro is. That's it. That's we're going back to other parts of it. I would be totally fine if they took that Eric spinoff back to the roots of Dragon Quest Monsters. And if Caravan Hearts was three, then just make four or whatever they want to call it. Mm -hmm. But take some of those elements. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You'd think with pulling in a character like that, kind of like, you know, Kiefer was in Caravan Hearts and Terry was in the first one. You know, by pulling Eric in, you kind of got the expectation, I guess, that even though we've heard nothing else for a year that... (laughs) But that they're kind of going back to that medieval kind of time. So, um, was Terry Wonderland... Eric in space. (laughs) Eric in space. (laughs) So, I know, was the... Terry's Wonderland, was that the first one with the different sizes of monsters? Uh, I think so. I don't remember them doing that in the original game on Game Boy. Oh, they Game did. Boy Color. No. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm playing that now. I don't think I don't think I remember seeing anything like that. Yeah, I, I know. I didn't remember that at all because it was like, I, I remembered uh, having a party of three monsters and then I went to pull one of those in to this new one and it took up multiple slots and I was like, what the heck? So that was definitely confusing. Um, and they had like the you know the mega monster that you could have in there that took up all three slots. But uh, yeah, that was I think that was just like they just started doing that on the 3DS. I don't know if Joker one and two did that. That doesn't ring that doesn't ring a bell. Like I, I really want to say when I sat down with Terry's Wonderland 3DS and put it through its paces, that was like one of the like whoa, this is very new. I yeah, so that, that. that would be a a new mechanic, I guess. But um, I don't know. I mean, I would say that. I thought it was kind of cool in the sense that you see these monsters like Atlas, for instance, you know, the big orange cyclops, he's huge. Like he should be big. He should be able to do a bunch of damage. And then you see a slime and okay, we understand (laughs) that these things level up and they have stats and stuff, but like realistically Atlas should be able to take his club and just smash the slime (laughs) in one hit. It's a, you know, like in the, in the real context, that's exactly how it should be. But I felt like the size, the monster sizes, it was a cool feature because it, it gave you one of those big boss monsters and they're like, well, you can only use him, but he's huge and he's going to have attacks that can attack everybody. And it makes it just makes you think a little bit differently because now you bring this one monster in to fight if it took up all three slots and you're like, OK, how, how am I going to win this fight with just this one guy? Yeah, Liam, they uh, you, I think there's four slots in Terry's Wonderland 3DS, oh, right? Yeah, sorry, I'm thinking of the original one. But yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I think for most of the game, I would have like a two slot monster and then two others. And, you know, that two slot monster, I would just like set him to attack, put all my attack skills on because <laughs> Yeah, as they took up more slots, they would get more attacks per turn. So, you know, you wouldn't have a four slot in there just doing one whack, and that would be it. And, yeah, as they got bigger, their area of attack would, their area of effect would, uh, I I just keep thinking of that big, stupid um, snail. (laughs) Or not the snail, (laughs) the the worm. There was that, like, huge, huge worm. (laughs) I feel like I ran into him so many times, and, like, I thought one of the cool features was uh, you can see your monsters that you've collected at the farm yeah in that game and going the like big, the big going, ones that would just run around. The, yeah 
Uh, and that's what my sons would always like. They'd always be like, did you get a new big one, daddy? And I'd be like, well, let's go to the farm. And like, you're looking down from the mountaintop and seeing all these little specks down there. And then like this freaking gigantic worm just <laughs> moving through them. Well, that's definitely and, uh, something that was just like, you know, limited technology. And now that we are where we're at, they can draw all that stuff on screen at once. And I would say that seeing the monsters in the field, um, whether you're going to go fight them or seeing the ones that you've captured or just seeing so much on screen at once. It's just, it's just cool because it like further puts you into the world of, especially in these games, Dragon Quest monsters, like seeing all the monsters at once. That's what it's supposed to be about, I guess. Yeah. And the monsters themselves have always been like one of the biggest things that connects all the games together for me. I mean, obviously the gameplay, but I mean, the monsters connects all the spinoffs. Every spinoff's got a slime. Every spinoff's got usually a Drakey and all those other ones. But I remember, I think it was Terry, Terry or Joker, one or the other, but I would, uh, it would slow the game down ridiculously on Citra. But a couple times I would crank that graphics engine all the way up and it, it looked as beautiful as Dragon Quest VIII on PS2 on the PC using Citra, having the graphics rendered smaller or more detailed or whatever. It was it was really cool to see a lot of those monsters like that. So, Liam, that's another thing that uh, you have to look forward to. They're they're really pretty in these games. Um, so, Joe, oh, go ahead. No, no, I, I was saying I'm, I'm, I'll, I look, I definitely look forward to it. I'm kind of I'm playing through a dungeon here on the side uh, while we're having this discussion. Um, just like hearing all of these updates to uh to terry's wonderland that or, and just looking at the uh old school gb key gbc graphics <laughs> i think one of my has changed have you have you encountered the wandering monster masters yeah yeah definitely i like the ones their... that the uh, the priest ones that heal you up mm-hmm. and they've usually got like really great monsters with them yeah. Have you battled any of them? Yeah. I mean, what's great in Terry's Wonderland is you can save anywhere. So I'd walk into an area and see one of them and save, and I would just try to steal their monsters. Right. I mean, yeah. And... Try to get the best ones to show up. Yeah. I've done that with, yep. the, uh, with the Game Boy Color version, too. I actually do. the One of the monsters traveling with me right now, I've got a... Um... Uh, I've got a great drac, a skeletor, and a sword sword dragon or sword sword gun. Um, and this, the I was we were just joking about this before because um, when you walk uh, so that um, the characters' backs are to the screen, so just like walk north, the sword dragon has has what appears to be a butthole. <laughs> So that's my that's my question for the Terry's Wonderland uh, 3DS remake is did they preserve the sword dragon's butthole in the in the game? Uh, I would have to look at the model for that. I don't know. But, you know, if if not, maybe that's a future patch. (laughs) Awesome. Here's a patch for you assholes out there. Uh... It'd be the only patch note. Version one, three. We added the sword dragon's asshole back in. <laughs> it's two dimensional though. We couldn't do the 3D model. <laughs> the patch no one asked for except for Liam. Yes. Oh. So Sword, Dragon, I mean... Sword Dragon's asshole patch. <laughs> oh. So yeah, there there's uh lots to look forward to. Maybe some disappointment out there if you're doing that. But as you meant, you got the uh Skeletor guy. Um he made it. I, he was one of the ones that I probably shouldn't have dragged all the way through Terry's Wonderland, even to the end of the um, stuff. But I, I dragged him all the way through, kept breeding him, giving him the whatever staff that kept him from 
changing into something else, but he's one of the ones I just tried to keep maxed up all the way because I think he's one of the few like one slot monsters get that gets that double attack in if I remember correctly and I definitely had him in my final like four or five guys. No, the slots that's uh specific to Terry's Wonderland the remake, right? Cuz I don't I don't see any any type of slots. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. And I, you have uh you have four monsters for party instead of three? You can, yeah. Oh man, that's amazing. So yeah, you can either go with four smaller ones or there's two slot monsters, there's three slot monsters. Yeah. Um and then yeah, there's the absolutely ridiculous sized ones that take up yeah. all four. I always like the games better that have four character slots than three. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, Dragon Dragon Quest two and Dragon Quest Five, the original Super Famicom version, both had three, and five is especially excruciating to play with only three monsters, considering all of the re- possible recruitment you can do in that game, plus all the human characters. Okay, I'm gonna make a jerk remark now for people that like Pokemon. Okay, they make Dragon. <laughs> they make Dragon Warrior one, and it's just you, and you know, it's you fighting one monster. They make Dragon Warrior 2, and it's like they immediately learned, hey, we should have more party members. And every role-playing game that comes out has multiple party members, usually like three or four. But Pokemon has always been one-on-one battles, and I just feel like they're not... All these games that have come out... Yeah, they've. I, I haven't played a lot of the ones that have come out after the initial ones, and I know they've tried things like, oh, let's do a two-on-two battle. But, like, there's just not a lot of depth to those fights. Like... You get into these fights in, in Dragon Quest Monsters, and like they can get pretty deep, especially considering that you're allowed to hold more than just four moves. And maybe that's part of the charm of those games, and um, you know it aims towards a younger audience. But like you can learn tons of moves with your monsters in these games, and I think that's that's what I love about them overall is that they they you can really construct your party. It's not just you know the eight main guys you can pick from, and each one of these monsters can learn so many moves. It is sad oh, though, sometimes to lose a good monster to breeding, um, but you you can have some you can have some fun with those combinations. You do have to do a lot of research because if you're just kind of poking around trying to see what happens, you're going to spend a lot of time, a lot of extra time. Yeah, I always thought it was weird that you lost monsters from breeding. Like, why do they die every time they have offspring? They maybe they were just so shameful they just wandered <laughs> off. They stopped fighting after they became parents because they had to grow up. <laughs> I, I don't know, but you know they got rid of that and did the uh, walk of shame <laughs> well joker th- joker 3 they had uh, uh what was it blending or splicing or whatever it was where you, you, yeah. you would actually mix them together yeah it was yeah i mean again it was futuristic so you were either Genetic gene splicing or, yep they'd go in the machine and just kind of chug 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 and then yeah they weren't laying eggs and running away right. in the uh, the starry whatever the, yeah, the starry night starry yeah that's kind of interesting it is kind of like they are having sex you know right. they bring them up to <laughs> they bring them up to this like special table bed thing and then they they face each other and then it fades <laughs> to black suddenly there's an egg or two there yeah it's the yeah. Uh, bachelor bachelor bachelorette um uh what is it the fantasy suite or something yeah and then like good parents they just kind of sort of wander off right <laughs> but i did okay. have some fun with the with the breeding i uh um i got this you know this uh, um poison spitting hork and i named it after uh one of, one of my coworkers i don't particularly like and uh <laughs> and then had her breed with a golem and that's how i got my uh my sword dragon or my my skeletor rather <laughs>
Uh, so, that's and then great. some of the other ones, like my great drac, I named Sawapi uh, after uh, the um, the owner or the the original discoverer of the Kawasaki Locker map from Dragon Quest Nine. I'll probably end up doing that if I'm just like running out of names for things. I'll just throw in like a Masayuki or a uh, Hatuko or something like that, just in homage to the the special map finders from Dragon Quest Nine. But uh, at the same time, we're only limited to four characters in the original Dragon Warrior monsters, so it's got to be like SW. P.I. <laughs> oh yeah. H-T-P-I-O. Yeah, that was that was uh, definitely nice to be able to expand that limit. I forget how long we made it for the English translation, but um, you know the Japanese the Japanese version had it locked into like ten or something. It's pretty short. I remember this was specifically. This was one of the funniest features. My wife was like, "Our kid is not very." imaginative um anytime i would breed and like i'd usually be playing at the computer um if it wasn't late at night i'd be playing on the computer while the kids were playing next to me and my wife's watching tv and i'd always be like hey brady come here i i I just bred these guys together and now i got like a bird guy what should i call him birdie i got a a new slime monster what should i name slimy oh nice dragony literally everyone and my wife kept looking over she's like come on man like show some no more West. imagination than that no that's Westie? all it was no westy well nobody looked like the direction west <laughs> 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 no he he was literal with everything dragony you know nice. birdie auntie I, I made the army ant or whatever one time it's auntie i was like oh man a couple times i was just like no i'm not naming him that <laughs> that, that just doesn't work Yep, but uh, all right, so this is a question. Uh, we would talk to you kind of early and uh, something I wanted to ask you, and I know you've been, you, you've put some stuff online and you told people some stuff about this, but uh, I know there's a ton of hardcore fans out there. Um, they would give a lot to play Joker 3 Pro. I'm fine with the original. Um, and I've got a lot of memories for me from Dragon Quest Monsters 2 on the Game Boy Color. I can't wait till uh, Liam gets into that one. That's the one game I think I've ever considered that I 100%ed. I've never got a platinum trophy on PSN. I've never filled out my Pokédex, but um, I did with these games. I had two Game Boy Advances. I had the Game Boy Color transfer cable that I had to have. And I remember back in the day with those, if you bred over the cable, each of you would get a monster. So, you know, if you're one cart, you've got a slime, and your other cart, you've got a golem, and you breed across, well, the guy with the slime cart, you're going to get the next higher slime family monster, you're going to get the material family monster on the second cart. And I did that all the time. I would sit there playing with that. And eventually, I don't know how many hours it took, but I got all 312 monsters. And like that number's like locked into my head as much as there was 150 Pokemon in the first game. But uh, so I guess part of the question there is, um, is anybody, are you working on like Dragon Quest Monsters 2 for the 3DS or Joker 3 Pro? Oh, man, um, it's a hard it's a hard one to answer. So uh, I'm going to give you I want to give you a short version short answer first. <laughs> it's really short. Yes. <laughs> so the uh, the long answer, though. So um hurdles right uh every one of these projects came with hurdles and a lot of doubt and a lot of wondering are we going to be able to do it and the more i've done the more i've learned what the big hurdles are that need to be gotten over and like i've said every time i hit a a blocking point i try to move on to the other section of whatever it is that still needs work whether it be image editing or dialogue and so forth so i this game t- 
2 was really strange because it used a lot of the same format that 1 did. However, when one when two was released originally, it came out as two separate games, one for Kobe and one for Terra. And when it came out on the on the uh, 3DS, they just decided to combine it, and you could pick either character. So um, it was crazy because these dialogue files, I could not figure out what the hell was going on them for the longest time. And here, I I completely forgot that it was two separate games, and that. Kobe would say something or Tara would say something. They basically had like every dialogue block was um, both of their dialogues smashed together. And and for the longest time, I thought it was like duplicated dialogue because like sometimes Kobe and Tara just said the same thing. So there was that much extra, like they never optimized it and they never were like, okay, they both say the same thing. So let's just only put this in here once. No, it was literally defined for every single time Tara or Kobe spoke in all these dialogue files. And there's like all these alternate branches and things that can happen. So it was really complicated to figure this stuff out. But the ultimate thing that um, really just, I don't want to say it killed the project because it didn't, it's still there. But what really hurt us was uh, a programming hurdle I personally couldn't overcome. And um, GBA Temp, GBA Temp has a lot of talented people on it, but it also has a lot of untalented people on it. And people that... <laughs> people that... All right, sorry about that. My uh, mic went a little robo. We'll get back into it. Um, Z6, you were talking a little bit about um, the hurdles you were having in Dragon Quest Monsters. Two. Yeah, so, um, you know, just to cut straight to the chase, the big hurdle that we ended up encountering is that uh, there's a a lot of the dialogue was was cut off. um, It was a hurdle that we faced in every game where the items would only show 12 characters, but we needed longer names because English names are longer. And just like everything, uh, you know, the dialogue is longer, of course, because there's just going to be more of it. So that really grows. And there's a hard cap set on all of these things where items, they only wanted to be 10 characters. Monster names were eight. Dialogue, uh, they only wanted 40 characters of dialogue per window. Um, Or overall, they only wanted two windows with 80 characters, 40 in each. So that was the main hurdle that we faced is that we, uh, Gerb actually helped us out on this translation and we got almost everything done. We dumped the entire script. We edited all these images and I started poking around the binary code files to resize, uh, do these buffer size changes so we could actually show more characters on screen and, um, just, you utilize more of the in-game memory to do what we need to do, but I could never figure out, and I don't know why it was so hard. I spent I spent months looking for what to do here and reaching out to people, looking for help, because I just wasn't seeing it. So that analogy I said earlier about finding a needle in a haystack, this was it. Um, it, it's, it is hard for me so far, and I, I feel like one day I'm going to find it, and I'm going to be like, you're an idiot. It was here the whole time. You looked at it so many times. I have all these notes on the stuff I've already looked at. Every time I go back, I just expand on the notes. But, um, you know, on the initial note I said about when I had more time to work on it, it's been really challenging because the number one thing a lot of translators say happened to them is happening to me. My job has just gotten exponentially harder. My kid is getting older. And, you know, her, her she got her legs at one point and started destroying everything in the house. And uh, <laughs> it, 
it just becomes really challenging to sit down with everybody demanding my time and look for this needle in the haystack and remember where I was in the haystack. And sometimes I get lost and I start over. So it's um, when I get time, I periodically look. But that's been the struggle with Dragon Quest Monsters too. What I will say about it unofficially is that we are extremely far with the translation and the progress that we've done on it. There's usually a good bit of QA that I will do on this stuff and go back and proofread and edit and um, really try to add some dialects and stuff. You know, they start to do the dialects with some of the later translations. But um, Gerb, Gerb really, like, he did a really good job on the translation for Slime Mori Mori 3, and he did good jobs on his past translations for Dragon Quest five on ps2 and other work that he's done and uh this is no exception so it's like in addition to the diehard fans not getting to just play the game it's a damn shame that all this like professional work is just sitting out in our workspace right now waiting to be released it's it's uh it sucks but i i think we'll figure it out i will never call that project dead um we just need the right people so if you think you're the right person get on our discord say something you you know ping me do whatever um get a hold of us you can also Excellent. go to the thread on gba temp too i'm sure that's still there but yeah mm-hmm. definitely reach out hey i'll have to get from you at the end and we'll put it in our show notes here um your discord server so if uh, somebody is interested, if you would like, we can yeah, I give can, them the... I can drop that in here now for you, actually, while I'm thinking of it. Yeah. I'll put, I'll put the channel in. That'd be great. Um, is Joker 3 Pro something that's out there? People working on it or... So as soon as Joker Pro 3 was announced, you know, we were in the middle of working on Joker 3. And mm-hmm. it was kind of one of those moments where I'm like, oh, my God, seriously, you're really doing this already? <laughs> because, like, we weren't done with it yet. And when I released it, Joker 3 Pro, I, I think it was already out. I think it was already out or it was just coming out or something. But... Um, yeah, it, it was it was really challenging because the year that we released uh, Joker or the when we released Dragon Quest Monsters one, um, I was still in that I was still at that old job. We we did it sometime in October. It was just kind of arbitrary, and we put it out there. And me and all my friends were like, "You did it!" And we went out, and we celebrated. And when um, Joker three was done, I was at my new job, and I was like really really pressed for time. And I remember thinking like. I don't like I'm like I don't have any time to work on this until like 11 p.m. at night. So I I really pushed. I would work from like 11 to like 2 to 3 in the morning every night just to get work done on that and um I was like a zombie. And then I finished it. You know, we we finally wrapped it up and I was like, okay, you know, let's put this out Christmas Eve. Let's surprise everybody because no one knows this is coming. And it was Mm -hmm. an awesome release. And once we put that out there, it sucked because it set this expectation and people were like, oh my God, they're totally going to do pro. They're also going to do the second one. They're just going to do everything. And I'm like thinking, guys, there's like, there's not that many people working on these projects. It's really, (laughs) it's really taxing. And I hit a breaking point mentally where I just needed a break. So when I wrapped up Joker 3, I was also in the middle of developing some tools to um, extract Joker 3 Pro, line the scripts up, and port everything over. So the first thing we did was we ported everything over to Joker 3 Pro that existed in Joker 3. So we had all the dialogue. Some things actually did change, so it didn't all go one for one. Then we had to tackle retranslating the rest of that, all of the new monsters, 
Um, so we did start working on that. We got pretty far with that. I will say that we actually got further with Dragon Quest Monsters 2 than we did Joker 3 Pro. That's not to say that both of them are not like 90% finished. They're pretty damn close. Um, but it's the same challenge with Joker 3 Pro. I spent in a, a crazy amount of time digging through the uh, assembly, like binary code of that game to figure out where all of those, I just keep saying needle in a haystack because it's pretty much what it was, figuring out where all of those limiting factors were and removing them. And because it was a whole new game, all of that changed. Like I, I went back and looked at it and I was hoping maybe it had just shifted, but no, it's it's all different. So like I basically needed to start searching for those from the ground up again. And once I discovered that, I was like, man, <laughs> I do not want to do that before Dragon Quest Monsters 2. So I shifted focus onto Dragon Quest Monsters 2, ran into that roadblock. And uh, and then honestly, um, you know, I so you referenced playing it on Citra. I did not play it on Citra. I've done debugging on Citra, but I've also, um, I, I've done debugging directly from the 3DS as well. And I've, I've actually done most of my testing from the unit specifically because we did run into some like memory issues where the game would run fine on Citra, but it would actually crash on the uh the old 3ds not the new 3ds mm -hmm. be because we were trying to do too much <laughs> with some of our changes so um it, it sucked I, I had to test it on the console to make sure that it would run on like the bare minimum hardware and uh it's it's definitely difficult to test it on all th all of the platforms and like some of these changes would work some of them wouldn't so once I, you know, I, um, the good news is that I did recently, uh, I mentioned this like really early on in, in this, uh, discussion, I'm a musician and I'm kind of in the middle of shifting priorities right now and, um, try finally making some more free time for myself. And first thing to me was, oh, so are you going to pick those translation projects back up? So I will say it's very hopeful. And I'm really hoping I can reassemble some of the guys that worked on this. And similar to, you know, Dragon Quest Monsters 2 and what I said about contacting us, if there's anybody that wants to help get these things um, revived and going again, I'm all for it. I don't think that their publisher is going to be upset because clearly they have no plans to release them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like what you said earlier that, you know, um, I think it did give us a lot of a lot of people hope when the uh, cease and desist was put out there for Dragon Quest Seven because apparently they did it because they were planning on bringing it over. I think that was only a month or two away from their official talk about that. So I mean, yeah, kinda... I think it was. I think it was like within a month of the C and D going to the mm -hmm. fan translation project. The uh, the release news came. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of good news, bad news that. You guys have never had one of those good yeah. news because you guys can, can you, keep working on it. Bad yeah. news. Can you work on one for Dragon Quest Ten and then just like be <laughs> really loud about it? Well, seeing seeing what the guys went through, um, uh, Fantasy Star Online was something I was interested in. But, and there was a, t a team that translated the second one of that, and they would translate, you know, all the server side stuff. That's that's what makes Ten so much more challenging. Is that you can't really control all of the stream of data because it comes directly from their servers um and they like i guess they like you know they change it there's different versions there's different encryption like every yeah, there's time different events. yeah and then they change and like you'd you'd have to set a whole new patch out it's just 
crazy to have to try to reverse engineer and patch um, a, a game like that that's live and is constantly changing on the fly. So, like, I totally understand why the team only ever did an offline patch for that. And, you know, kudos to them. I really respect what time I actually got to spend with that. And it, it looked great. <laughs> So you know, I understand being on the other side of it. You you want it. You want more. It's it's uh, it's sad that we can't have it, but um, there are people working on it. You know, and I'm trying as well. And it's uh, it's really hard. And it's hard to motivate yourself. Um, a lot of us go to work for money, satisfaction to fill some kind of void. You know, most of us go to work for money, though. Let's be real. Because yep. if they didn't pay us, we wouldn't show up. Yep. But uh, there is no money in this, you know. Like the the reward for me was um, the same as everybody else. I I got to play the game at the end of it, but it was really freaking hard to get there. And um, with like you know only really six or so dedicated people working on this thing, uh, it, it was tough. But um, I mentioned him before neo bio uh you know he's he's been pretty essential to figuring out some of these issues in the past and i was really hoping i could reconnect with him at some point but um life happened and it had i got hit pretty hard so uh you know with some extra time here i'm really hoping i can reach out to some of these guys who knows maybe icy maybe one piece or some of these other guys you talk to from the uh, uh from the slime more and more the team rocket translation project could uh could help out with it you know you never know mm -hmm. have you ever talked to them about like where they're where in the code their text limit thing was i actually think that they yeah. mentioned that that was an issue for them too yeah so their theirs was actually pretty crazy so uh when you decompile a 3ds game you get a couple things you get uh, a rom file system and you get an executable file system and the rom file system is it's just a bunch of folders most of them follow pretty similar structures and you'll see like an image folder you'll see this you'll see that and um, there's a lot of similar there's a lot of tools out there especially from uh, fan translators international now that like if you need to load an image and edit it they've got the tools for it but every game generally comes along with some custom file formats that the publisher decided to do with their engine and whatever they were using to build it and um and unfortunately for them, Slime Mori Mori was an older 3DS game. And for whatever reason, they ended up not really using much of the ROM file system for the actual text. They literally just compiled it directly into the executable file system, which is a lot harder to navigate because most of it has this like binary code, code binary file. It's called code bin. And I think they referenced that in their talk with you guys. And um, the code bin is the thing that's saying like, hey, load this dialogue, load this cutscene, load these characters, do this, do that. But usually they're stored in other files for organizational purposes and easier editing. And like, that's just kind of a general coding practice. But uh, for their project specifically, <laughs> they just, the team that, the, the publisher that built that was like, just put it all in one place. And that made it really <laughs> challenging for them because that one place can only be so big too. And uh, and it was just all in there. It was really hard to to know that and dig through it, find all of it, and and know how to edit that. Um, it's a little easier for me because that stuff is separated out. But I still have to dig through that code bin and just figure out, you know, like. I, I don't even know, like, um, you know, I, I have to go back several times and I will just like replace a dialogue scene with all zeros or something just to just to test 
just to test the engine and see like okay it is truly cutting off after 36 characters in two windows mm -hmm. so kind of like test these limits and know where to begin looking but you definitely need the right the right mindset for that and somebody who's dedicated and it's been really hard to find somebody that doesn't just want to like get access to our stuff and be like can i just play this <laughs> like can i just play it the way it is like no you can't yeah and this is one that you really can't i've thought many times about like could i just release an unfinished like i might be able to release an unfinished joker 3 pro but i really could not uh, release an unfinished Dragon Quest Monsters 2 because there are just points where the game locks up because it's not able to render the command um, you know when you're it, I mean you've seen it a million times your Dragon Quest dialogue windows whenever it's, it's done displaying the text it shows that little blinking arrow in the bottom right corner mm -hmm. to get on. yeah so like sometimes it just won't render that and then you're just stuck in a dialogue window that you can't exit so there are like game breaking bugs in the current build that we have and like you can't just release that so we got to get these issues figured out well, thank you very much for all your time tonight. This is this was great. I think we've uh, easily gone twice as long as uh, back when we talked to Fan Translation International. Um, but they were great. You were great. We got a lot of great information. Um, and we really just appreciate you being here and really, really appreciate all you've done with all these games. And uh, we hope for your sake you get some rest and some sanity and uh, one day find that needle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna keep looking. I'm gonna find not, it. Damn it! I'm determined. I don't, I don't know why I thought you were talking about heroin. <laughs> <laughs> Chasing that dragon quest. Wow! Wow! That just turned right around there. Yeah. That's that's where I, my mind goes at this hour of the night. Chasing that needle. <laughs> okay, and I think if we're uh, talking. <laughs> Find the needle in the haystack, we mean. <laughs> yes, find that needle in the haystack. <laughs> Hopefully it's not a heroin needle. No. Yeah, don't don't poke yourself with it. Just uh, find it. <laughs> For the sake of finding it. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I can't even make the joke I wanted to. I was like... <laughs> I was going to say, well, I guess we're talking about heroin here. That brings us to the part of the episode where we need to say goodbye. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> I, I guess we're going to sleep soon. That's where we're going with that. So um, I think that's it for this episode of Slime Time. We do want to thank uh, Z6N4 for joining us to talk about the translated Dragon Quest Monsters game. Thanks so much, Z6N4. No and yeah. You, you might have noticed that the only time we mention Patreon on all our episodes is when we say we don't use Patreon. We're just longtime fans that want to speak about the game series we know and love so much. If you do have some money you'd like to donate, consider sliding on over to the Dragon's Den um, and click on support this site. Uh, Woodus has owned and maintained it there for about 20 years, and I'm sure he would appreciate any donation. We talked about one last time, and uh, hopefully we can get some more in there. Uh, he's also got Amazon affiliate links that you can use purchases you can buy dragon quest 11s or any of the other games that he's got links to and uh, a couple pennies maybe hopefully a little bit more we'll go to support the den and if you're an advertiser and you're looking for a hip new podcast to spend lots of ad revenue on reach out to us at slime time podcast at gmail.com uh, we won't take money from fans but we will take them from faceless advertising companies oh definitely oh you know i totally forgot we got a email 
just this morning. Did um, we? Yes, we did. From a faceless and advertising company? Unfortunately, not from a oh. faceless advertising company. Um, and it came with a picture that we're not going to just stick out there. And uh, But um, Frederick, and I want to say he's from Sweden. Yes, Frederick from Sweden sent us a message. Um, he likes listening to the podcast, and he was talking about... Um, the special bond he's building with his son, a uh, very young son, 18 months old, two years old. And they like looking at the art books together. They carry it, Toriyama art books. And uh, I, guess, I guess this isn't too much of a spoiler for his son that uh, he's getting him a slime plushie for Christmas. So he, he did thank us. That is a I, spoiler if he listens to this before Christmas. Yeah, well, you know, age two years old he's probably not listening into hour number two of our podcast (laughs) (laughs) frederick i hope you hear this and thank you so much for sending in uh your email to us um uh, sorry about that liam i didn't know what you're saying but yeah we Uh, we got a we got some notes today we actually did get an email (laughs) yeah all right thanks thanks frederick um if you have any comments or questions for us you can find us on twitter at platym3 or at riamu celestrian or hit us up both simultaneously at DQ Slime Time. You can get hold of Z6N4 through through various translation project topics on GBA Temp or through his Discord. And you can find some links to those in our show notes with the episode. Yes, consider joining in tons of DQ discussions at the Dragon's Den forums over there at GBA Temp for these specific games. Um, but both of those are some good remaining forums still around on the net. Not everything's Discord yet. But uh, you can find the Dragon's Den forums over at www.wudis.com slash forums. Um, I'm always crazily posting there, keeping people up to date. Z6N4 has uh, been over there, told us some things that are going on as well, keeping us up to date on what's going on at GBA Temp and with the translations. And we'd like to thank everybody that made this possible tonight, like Brian Woodis, for his support of the series and the podcast and for keeping the Dragon's Den lights on for decades now. Thanks to Amanda Laprie and the Descendants of Erdrick for allowing us to use their music for our podcast. Descendants of Erdrick is a video game tribute band from Austin, Texas. If you like what you've heard, check them out and their most recent album, Advent, at www.descendantsofurdrick.com or on Twitter at D of Erdrick. Or go see their land, their band leader, Amanda Laprie, live on tour as a guitarist for Andrew WK. Congratulations to Descendants of Erdrick for their recent 10-year anniversary as well. We just want to mention that. Woo-woo, good job. And thanks to Dwayne Bullock. Um, you heard him mentioned as working on the Dragon Quest V translation um, ages ago, but he's also our wonderful graphic artist um, and Dragon Quest fan. He made the awesome artwork cover for this podcast. And Dwayne was also on the original iteration of Slime Time long time ago. So he's had his fingers all over the place. Um, you can check out more of his work at Dwayne Art on Instagram or on his website at DwayneBullockArt.BigCartel.com. That should be his, his new bio. Had his fingers all over the place. <laughs> oh, boy. He, he'd take that and run. <laughs> If you're looking for more Dragon Quest podcasts, check out our earlier episodes on Dragon's Den, Anchor FM, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and more. Please also check out our fellow Dragon Quest podcasts available like Puff Puff Hour and Dragon Quest FM. All right. Again, Z6 and 4, thank you very much for being here tonight. Thanks so much. Bye, everyone. DQ Slime Time, slamming off. <laughs>